Welcome to the Leadership Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Jono White. I'm the founder and principal consultant of Clarity. We are an Australian-based consultancy that works with leaders around the world, and our passion is to invest in people to become everything they're meant to be in order to fill the world with healthy organizations that people love to work for and customers line up to buy from. The goal of this podcast is to invest in you and your leadership. If you're just joining us for the first time, then feel free to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there. The most popular being our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from around the world in all different sectors give their in-depth answers on leadership, what books they love, what they found most challenging, uh, the most meaningful stories, how they how they structure their time through the day. That's free, so go and check it out. And we'd love to interview you about your leadership. I believe you have advice from your experience, your context, and your life so far that is important and can help other leaders. It's also a great way to give back. It's free to get involved, and you can do so by going to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest, or just Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form that pops up. We have a free resource for you on our website. It's called Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook. It has interviews with 10 world-class leaders, and you can go to consultclarity.org. It's right at the top and get that today. Uh, we also have a daily email that we send out to over 15,000 leaders, and that email contains the highlights, our best content from our podcasts, our blog, uh, my book, uh, the books that we're loving that are out there about leadership, it's also the best way to get access to our masterclasses and workshops before anyone else. And there's also exclusive and limited uh, special options just for subscribers. And you can subscribe by going to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe. Now, my gift to you is to work incredibly hard to provide the best leadership content I can to invest in you and your leadership. So if you're finding our content helpful, if you find this podcast helpful, then your gift to me uh, could be this. If you, if you do find it helpful, then write a review or rate our content and make sure you subscribe or follow. I can't emphasize enough how helpful that is. It really does help us to get the word out there so we can invest in more leaders to become everything they're meant to be. It also means a lot to me personally when people like you and people in our community share our content on social media. So if you do that, then please do look for me, Jono White, to tag me and look to tag Clarity uh, on whatever platform you're on. And our team, including me, I, I'm always looking to see when people have mentioned us so that I can engage with you. And also we look at sharing content. So if you, if you write something about something we've done, there's also a good chance we'll share that with our followers. So if you could do that, that is a massive, massive help as we try to invest in as many leaders as we can around the world. Last of all, you can check out my book about how to deal with difficult people even if you hate conflict. It's called Step Up or Step Out. It's available on Amazon. You can just look up Step Up or Step Out, John o. White, or you can go to store.consultclarity.org forward slash book and check it out there. I have coached leader after leader after leader, and in more than 50% of the sessions, this topic comes up. How do I deal with this person? I'm finding it really difficult, and, and I just want to find a way that doesn't blow up to do a really, just to have a difficult conversation, to lead them better. How do I do that? There's a three-step process that I outline in this book that I believe can help you. Okay, let's get into today's episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Today's guest is Ishwari Maranwe. And Ishwari is the president at Dweebs Global. She is an author and writer as well as an attorney and wears a few hats, which I'll get her to explain in a moment. But uh, welcome to the podcast, Ishwari. Thank you so much for having me, Jono. It's a real pleasure. Yes, I've been looking forward to chatting with you and uh, I find the different hats you wear really fascinating and I'm excited to hear a bit of your story. Uh, to start with, can you tell our listeners 
about those different hats? What, what is it that you do? Great question. Um, so I, I think at the very basic of all of it, I have trouble concentrating on one thing and only doing one thing for my whole life. So that's sort of how I ended up wearing so many different different hats. But I would say, you know, the the big thing that I do and sort of my reason for living is definitely Dweebs Global. Um, accidentally started a nonprofit along with my husband, Nathan, my sister, Jenny. At the beginning of the pandemic, we had no particular goal to create a nonprofit or start something, but the world was really struggling. And I'm, I'm sure, you know, you and your listeners probably went through sort of the same fear and, and anxiety and just heartache that all of us did at, the, at that time. And we realized how many people were just in such desperate need of help with their career, with maybe just a quick resume edit, with mental health support. And so I sort of just put up a post on LinkedIn being like, I'm happy to help if I can, if any of you out there are interested, you know, or if there's anything I specifically can do to help, just feel free to reach out to me. Um, and one thing led to another, a whole bunch of people reached out to us and were like, hey, we'd like to help too if they're in our fields. I'd like to do this. Maybe we should launch a Slack channel. So today, Dweebs Global is an international free mentorship and free mental health, long-term mental health support. So sort of think hotline, but longer term organization. And we provide sort of all of that mentorship and, and free support um, to people in over 35 countries. And we've helped people from high earning law firm attorneys who are trying to decide their next career move through some of the poorest, most underprivileged people in the poorest, most underprivileged countries in the world. So um, I would say like a lot of the different hats I wear within Dweebs Global now, I am the president, but we're always launching new initiatives. We're working in women's health and on the ground in mental health support and in local partnerships and entrepreneurship programs. We launch a lot of content on our website. We're actually launching a new international column this summer. So there's always new projects there that, that tie in a little bit of, of my background, but I, I do also write. So I'm an author and my co-authors and and I uh, love to write, I'd say, a lot of YA fiction, fantasy, um, thrillers. So it's sort of a, a secondary life I lead. And um, I was an attorney for a while. So so very, very right. All the things you mentioned um, was a national security and cybersecurity attorney, worked for the U.S. government, for a law firm, had the opportunity to represent a lot of different people and interests. And a very long time ago, I was actually in physics, but it has definitely mm. impacted what I do and how I think about things. So I mention it in case that's of interest to you as well. Wow, that is a uh, a wonderful and varied, um, and you, I feel like you you explained that quite succinctly because wow, there's a lot that uh, that you are doing and that you've done. Let's let's go back to. Uh, I guess, to your childhood and growing up, I'd love to start there as we get to hear a bit of your story. Yeah. What, are, what are some of the moments or themes from that season of your life that really shaped you into the person, uh, the leader and, and you know, the one of the founders of, say, you know, the organization you're leading now, which is incredible. What are some of the moments or themes from growing up that you can see um, shaped you into who you are? Yeah, you know, that's such a good question. And I think it's it's something that really gets to the heart of all of us is and, and maybe this is just my therapy hat or something. But you know, there's always little things that happen in our childhood that really do impact our lives. So I think it's such a great question. And and for me, I think that, you know, I, I did do a lot of things very young. And it I think a lot of people can sometimes think it came from a certain ambition or drive, or maybe even my parents forcing me. That was very true of the community I grew up in. So I grew up in the Silicon Valley. There were a lot of kids who were also very, you know, successful at a young age, very motivated. I mean, I would say people are even more successful at a young age now. And it, it's very toxic. And I and I, I saw that and I thought, hey, this is really toxic. Children are not getting to be children. People can't pursue the things that they want. Everything has sort of become about money and, and fame and, and people are really miserable. And I'd say that watching that misery really ended up coloring a lot of my experiences today. I am always opting out of sort of hustle culture and opting out of attorney culture, I think is a big one, right? So a lot of people are miserable. And I, I've always been someone who who looks at the bigger picture. And another another very huge privilege that I had as a kid was that I 
was able to travel a lot. My dad worked uh, a lot overseas. And of course, I'm, you know, ethnically Indian and my family's in India. So we would spend a lot of time there as well. And I saw people who just were brilliant, talented, beautiful, success, like successfully uh, learning things and, and just incredible people who, who just never could do the things that I did, even though I'm sure they would have been far more deserving of it because they lived in a situation or came from a situation with far less privileged than than I have. And so I was always very motivated to, to do what I can to fix that and to help things. And I've never been particularly wedded to my own identity or successes or, or sort of fall into that trap because of sort of experiencing that and seeing that at a very young age, which I'm very grateful for. So, you know, I think that's that's sort of the big thing that that shaped me. And I I mentioned a little bit about about being young. I would say the other thing is I'm mm. always looking to stay current with things in the world. I, I'm very respectful of people who are a decade younger, maybe more than a decade younger than I am, because mm. I remember what it was like to to be that age and to be working on things and not be taken seriously. And yeah. and so that's a mistake that I I try not to make now that I'm on the other side of that. Yeah, I love I love your story because I hear that and wow, I I mean the seeds for um, Dweeb's Global are, are, are there in terms of your story for all to see. I I can just hear the discontent that you have had with some of the corporate culture. You talk about lawyer culture, and I'm really fascinated mm -hmm. by that. I have some um some close friends who are incredible people, incredibly high capacity people who are lawyers. One's an architect. And they mm -hmm. popped into my head when you talked about that because I thought, yeah, they're they're the sort of people where I feel like um they I, I feel like they've they've probably copped a lot. Like it's probably cost them a bit some of the culture yeah. in their sectors in law, but mm -hmm. also in architecture, at least here in Australia. So mm -hmm. I'm interested in lawyer culture and what what did you find like because I don't just want to um, ask, you know, what's, what's wrong with it, but where do you see from your time, um, you know, as an attorney and with your work in, yeah. in Dweebs Global for an industry like law, where do you see it going for, because people have to be able to live healthy lives as well as doing high capacity yeah. work. Yeah, it's such, such a great question. And, and, you know, I, I'm not entirely sure where sort of, I'm sure your listeners come from all over the world, but I, I don't know if you can, the majority come from a specific area and maybe like, oh my God, I, every time I read about American work culture, I, I balk. Um, but it is really true, right? So what you might read on Reddit or other places about American work culture is, is true across many, many sectors in the United States. And at least attorneys are getting paid for some of those high hours. And we have people who are working two to three jobs at minimum wage and, and still having that toxic culture without the monetary sort of benefit. So I, I would say, you know, good, good point that it is, you know, it does transcend sort of different sectors. It's not just the law. I actually am very optimistic about where things are going with the great resignation, with people proposing things like better social safety nets or universal basic income, or basically you're not literally going to die if you don't have money, which is a huge problem in the United States, right? With, yeah. We don't have universal health care. Mm -hmm. um, we don't have a lot of people don't have mentors or, or the ability to get mental health. Part of the reason why what we do is so essential is because you would think it's something that everybody should have, but a lot of people don't. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm very optimistic with the great resignation and with these conversations that in the future, if jobs are going to suck you dry and they're not going to give you free time, they're not going to respect your vacation, they're not going to, you know, treat you well, people are just going to leave and they're going to find other jobs and, and businesses are going to be motivated to pay people more, to give them leave, to treat them with more respect. So I'm optimistic, but what I actually see on the ground, what I see, you know, behind those fancy LinkedIn posts or those, you know, anti-work statements on Reddit, what, what I actually see behind the scenes is that very little is, is really changing. Yes, businesses are adopting work from home policies, which is great. So people have that flexibility to be with their families because in the US we don't get parental leave. So it can be hugely great to work from home. Um, but I think that you know, that that is also a cost saving cut for the business, right? They don't have to maintain an office space. They don't have to pay for everything that goes into that. So I think that's why that was an easier sell. When I actually look at people who are fighting for vacation time, who are like, hey, I don't want to work the weekends. Yeah, sure, you can stick it to the man, but you're not going to advance in your career. And, and there's definitely a lot of people who continue, especially in the legal field, to have that attitude that if 
you don't work harder, then you're not serious. You're not going to make partner. You're not going to make senior associate. Um, you're not going to get the good jobs. Yeah. And and the real the real thing is you don't need those jobs, right? Like attorneys in the U.S. can walk out of law school, work at a big law firm, and, and now right now the starting salary is two hundred thousand dollars a year plus bonus. You don't need that kind of money to live. People could take a job with better balance. They they could do different things. I think the real the, the real trap, the real, mm. the real evil here is they've somehow managed to brainwash an entire generation of people that what matters is how much you earn and the prestige that you can sell to your friends, not how happy you are or how much good you do in the world. And mm. I do not understand how we so effectively sold that lie, but mm. that's what's keeping people in, I think, um, even more so than the necessity, at least with these careers where they are earning a lot of money. So um, yeah. I'm cautiously optimistic, I'd say. I agree. No, I feel the same way. And that's so that's so interesting. I, I've got a couple of questions in my head. Uh, the yeah. first one, so for those who are listening and going, hmm, maybe I have believed that lie about, you know, that it's all about how much I make. And it's hard because I remember someone once said to me, culture, uh, you know, culture in any context, culture mm -hmm. is anything that you're not aware of. And I was mm -hmm. like, if you're in a culture, then the things that are cultural are the very things that you can't see. So for somebody who's listening who yes. might might have bought into that lie, what would you, what advice would you give to them? Say they're a young leader, maybe in their in their um, in their twenties, and they they're looking around, going, "Oh, I'm actually not very happy. I feel like I have bought into yeah. this." What advice would you give them about their options from here and and how to maybe get out of that lie? Yeah, great question. So I think uh, there's, there's, there's a few things, I think. Um, there's sort of three big things I, I'd say I, I sort of go with. The first is therapy. Um, if you can afford therapy, get therapy. One of the things that you can practice, even if you don't have a therapist, you don't know where to start, is cognitive behavioral therapy and mindfulness. Hugely life-changing for a lot of people, right? You don't have to make a huge career change to do this. You don't have to have a lot of free time. Yeah. Just remind yourself every time. So you sort of think to yourself, okay, my, why do I care about, why am I stressed I'm not making a promotion? Okay, because it means I don't have enough money. Why do I care about enough money? Because it means my friends are not going to care about me or respect me as much because I'm not as successful as they are. And you sort of really dig deep into these underlying held beliefs that you had so that you're more aware of it. It's not an underlying culture. And then you start correcting it in your head when it pops up. So I try to help a lot of my friends with this. We, we talk to a lot of people at Dweebs about this, right? Where you know, okay, you're, you're like unhappy because every time you're thinking, Hey, I, I haven't made the next promotion. And there are other people my age who are assistant secretaries of state. And I'm like, yeah, but just because I'm not an assistant secretary of state does not mean I'm not successful. Just because I haven't achieved this in my career does not mean that my friends will not love me. So learning to correct that in your brain. And the other thing, of course, mindfulness, meditation, living in the moment, super, super important. It can get you some of the way while you're still at, at your job. So I'd say that's one thing. Um, mm. the second, the second big thing I always encourage people to do is just, just step away. I've never seen someone step <laughs> away and go back. Yeah, um, wow. and so it can be really, really painful to rip off the bandaid. I actually quit my job at a law firm without having another job to go to. I was just like, I cannot do this anymore. And I left and I got another job and my life has been infinitely better since then. But that just that act of being like, you know what, I'm not going to buy into the system anymore. I'm just going to walk away. I'm going to take a break. And I'm just going to like travel. I'm, I'm going to see the world. I'm going to meet people. I'm going to pretend for just two months, three months, maybe a year if I can afford it. Right. I'm just going to pretend that that stuff doesn't matter. I'm going to go do things that I genuinely find fun. I'm going to take free time. I'm going to be outside in the sun while there's daylight. I haven't <laughs> seen daylight in like a while. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and the minute I stepped away for just two to three months, I was like, oh my God, I, I'm not going to go back. That stuff's so stupid. I still look at my friends who are stuck in that. And I'm like, I feel, I genuinely feel bad for them because it's like, you just, it's like, you're in, you're in like the matrix or something. And I'm like, please just step yeah. out for like a second. And yeah. I swear you will not want to go back. And so I always encourage my friends, like just take a three month sabbatical. When you mm. switch jobs, be like, I'm going to put a three month gap and I'm just going to like backpack Europe right? Like really safe place to travel. Even if you've never traveled before, I feel mm -hmm. like backpacking Europe is a super easy thing to do. It's pretty cheap, especially for these people who are, who are, um, 
A, working really high paying jobs and B, living in the US. Like when I travel, I spend less money than where I live in the US just because rent is so expensive here. Yeah. Um, so just do something like that, right? Nothing high stress, but just step away. And, and, and then when you come back, you know, things will look different. So that's like my second thing. And then I, the third thing is, hmm. is you know, just surround yourself with better people. Like I've become a better person by surrounding myself with people like uh, my husband, Nathan, my sister, just like people who are like, like really committed to doing good in the world and consistently remind me, right? If I were married to someone, I'll be completely honest, right? If I were married to someone who was con consistently judging this, right? Like it would be harder. It would be harder if they were caught up in the system and really cared about this. And their wife was like, I don't want to wear like a fancy thing and buy, buy red bottom heels, right? that's it, hard to do that if you're if you if you have yeah. a, a spouse who's caught up with that if you have friends who are caught up with that if you mm. surround yourself only with that and i feel like when i started dweebs okay i'm i'm a, I'm a good person i'm a moderately good person great i'm a much better person now not because anything about me has changed but because there's there i'm surrounded by so many wonderful people and i just want to live up to their ideals and i want to do good by them and you know when it's personal you work harder you you want to impress the people in your life so make sure the people in your life care about the things worth you know worth impressing someone about so sorry sort of sort of long answer and and no it's great answer. I'm very passionate about i feel so it's like you're sort of in a trap of your own making and that that makes me much sadder than in some ways um then, you know, when, when people recognize it and want out, but there's a very practical reason they can't leave like financial or, or having a family depending on them or something. Yeah. It's uh, one, I, I love everything you said there. One thing that resonated with me, it reminded me of someone I was chatting with recently um, who I've been working with in, uh, in the UK. And he was just saying that mm -hmm. he, uh, he didn't end up leaving his job because it's a little bit different, but he had long service leave. And he said mm -hmm. that he took this sort of four or five months off and um, some point in those four or five months, he stopped and went, oh, this is kind of what life's meant to be like. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like yeah. it took it took literally a, a couple of months for him to actually go. Ah, and it reminded me of that whole idea of a frog in, in um, boiling water, you know, that it starts and it's yeah. not that hot and it keeps. And, and I think for so many people, if they're like, if people are listening and they're really in a, in a, in a tough place, then I think whatever you can do getting away, like you said, that three month, um, you know, break and, and using it as a chance to assess, you know, have, an, have an open hand and go, you know what, if I miss it, and I miss lots of different parts of it, then maybe I come back and I tweak some things. And like you said, knowing that not many people go back, if if I don't miss it, then maybe I look at alternatives. And I know I'm not, you know, it's not like, it's not a fantasy. It's not a fairy tale. Like you said, if you're going to mm -hmm. change things, then maybe you need to change your budget. And like, there's always a trade-off, you know, it's not like you can just um, have it all from day one, but I, I I agree that that mental peace of mind is worth so much um, and is definitely worth way more than than uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Absolutely, and I and I also just think like if we measured people's success in terms of how happy they are and how much good they do in the world, so how happy they're making others. Um, people would be able to prioritize happiness. Whereas, you know, I feel like I always have to make excuses to this day, like, oh, I'm, I'm taking a break, like for only a short time. And like, you know, like you kind of don't want to seem like you're taking a break when, when in reality, that should be the point of life. You work in most jobs. If you don't have that sort of higher purpose at your job, then the purpose of your job is just to earn money or to earn, earn something so that you can get your free time. So you can get your happiness. Yeah. So you can use that money to make the world a better place. That's the point of the money. It's not to just, you know, sort of have things. Agreed. Let me ask you a different question. This popped into my head. Um, yeah. And uh, this, particularly because this podcast is a leadership podcast, and I can imagine yeah. the number of leaders who are leaning in, listening and going, and really wanting to understand um, how to connect with their employees and their future employees better um, in light of... So, so let me put it this way. Imagine that a... Um, uh, you know, there's a law firm with a thousand lawyers across the US, you know, and they, mm -hmm. they come to you and they say, guess what? We are bringing you in. You're going to be working as the uh, CEO. Someone else is going to run all the operations. 
The only mm-hmm. thing we want you to do, uh, Ishwari, is we just want you to come in and you're going to completely transform how we work, how like our HR and our people systems so that our this type of culture, law culture here across our thousand lawyers around the US changes for the better. What would you do? What would you what, what would be the first things you do or initiatives in say the first month um, mm-hmm. to transform a culture like that or to pick some big levers and start pulling on them? Yeah, great, great question. Um, I I want to I will answer substantively based on my sort of best leadership ideas and experience for sure. But um, I I have to cop out a little bit first and just say one of the first things that I would do genuinely is is ask for a budget to hire a human resources expert, and um, and that's not me. And I recognize that's not me. And I would say one of the one of the biggest things I've learned as a leader is you don't just want to say, I don't want to be the smartest person in the room. I want to hire people smarter than I'm. You actually have to do that because there are so many ways in which you are awesome. And there are so many ways in which you suck, regardless of who you are, right? There's ways in which you just that's not your forte. And a lot of people waste time. And this is a sort of my general leadership, you know, thought process. Well, a lot of people waste time trying to fix their holes when those holes are fundamentally part of their personality and very difficult to fix. And you're only going to fix it about halfway um, instead of investing in their strengths, which is generally a much, much better way to improve your own leadership and to motivate the people in your team. So I have a pretty good sense of things that I am not good at HR being one of them and specific parts of HR. I'll, I'll, I'll dive into mm. that in a bit, but, um, and, and, and so one of the first things that I do every time we start a new initiative at Dweeb's Global is I find someone to lead the human resources aspects. We just um, launched the the Sentinel. I was mentioning this one of the projects. It's a newspaper um, sort of online column, right? Think newspaper, magazine, think in that space. And one of the first things that I did when we thought about launching this project was, okay, we need a chief human resources officer. And we got this amazing person. Her name's Megan Miller. She's actually in Australia. And she just is... Um, mind-bogglingly effective at understanding people, what makes them tick, what motivates them, and I do not have those skills, so she's the reason I'm sane, right? I go to, I work on the Sentinel, and I'm like, okay, I can't deal with this personnel issue, Megan, help, right? Yeah. And I can outsource that. And so genuinely, like the first thing that I would do if I were if I were CEO is I would hire a CHRO that I trust, who who has the people and the culture in mind, who knows my goals, where do I want to take this organization, my best understanding of where the problems are right now, and then is just infinitely smarter at it. Um, but to sort of answer answer your question on the more substantive side from what I have learned from the amazing HR folks I've watched, um, you know, I, I think one of the one of the main things is to realize that that there really is a life cycle to the people who are at an organization. And this is 10 times truer at Dweeps, which is a volunteer organization. So you know, you want people to come in because they have something to contribute. You want it to be a part of their life, but not all of their life, because you want them to bring in interesting things that they learn outside into your org. You want them to develop, you want them to stay, and then you want them to leave. And if they leave you, or if they want to leave, you want them to leave. And if they leave, you want them to maintain good ties with the org. You basically want to build Mm. a community as much as an organization, but a community in a positive way. So here's what happens. I see at law firms at many, many places I've worked at. They say, they, they hear the word community and they think family and they think we need to psychotically control everything and we need to control your free time and we need to be your whole life. No, <laughs> that's the bad side. That's not yeah. what we're doing. Yeah, that's I, right. community, I mean, think book club, think hobby club. This is a thing that you do. It's not your whole life, but the reason that you continue going and the reason that you care about it is because you care about the people, you care about the work or the content or whatever project you're working on and you wanna produce something on a team with other people. And so, um, you know, if I came into a very dysfunctional environment, um, you know, I think one of the first things to do, regardless of size, is find someone to talk to everyone. If you can't individually talk to everyone yourself, you talk Mm. to as many leaders as far down as you can get, and you hear what's going on on the ground. I I sometimes have to step into Dweeb's global teams that are failing, and and this is sort of what I do. I'm like, okay, I need to talk to everyone on the team, or I need to talk to all the leaders on the team, and I need to know why we're not meeting deliverables. Like, what is actually happening on the ground? Why are people unhappy? And you will hear 
so much because nobody is listened to. So the minute you're willing to sit and listen, people are willing to talk. They'll tell you, hey, I have this problem and my boss was a jerk that day. And um, I've been trying to raise this issue, but no one's listening to me and I'm not being appreciated and everyone is negative at these meetings. And you have to be open to hearing that. And then you have to be open to fixing it. And it seems like such a simple thing, but 99% of organizations I've worked at do not do this. And the minute an employee brings up a concern, they immediately respond with, oh, that's not actually going on because. So I've done this. I've raised concerns as an employee when I've worked as an attorney and my boss would just go, um, mm. you know, I think you're misunderstanding. That's not what's happening because blah, blah. That's not listening to someone, <laughs> right? That's, that's not listening. You have to, un like, if you come into a situation like that, your goal has to be to no stop defending the organization, which can be your gut response is like, hey, this is my yeah. baby and we're doing fine. Um, but you need to just assume that, hey, there are going to be huge problems and I need to listen and then I need to have a plan to fix them. And then what I do is I always follow up in two weeks. Again, a really simple thing. 99% of organizations don't do this. Mm -hmm. um, follow up in two weeks. Have things improved? Have things not improved? I hope you're doing well. Remember that you can have a direct line of contact to me or the human resources officer or whoever. We're here to help. Um, but yeah, I, I really think, you know, good HR makes an org and bad HR breaks an org. Every place that I worked at before Dweebs Global did mm. not have an empowered human resources department <laughs> or a good one. Either they weren't good or they weren't empowered. Um, and yeah. I honestly didn't have respect for them because of that. I didn't realize the amount of work that they do, how, how, how amazing those professionals are, how essential they are to an org, how skilled they are, because everyone ignores them. Everyone's like, I go for my payroll. I go when my computer breaks down. I go when I need to request vacation time. Um, and yes. that's all they were used for. Yeah. But they're the lifeblood of the org, really. If they're doing their job right, if you if you hire the right people to do that, they're they're the lifeblood of the org. So um, I guess that's my uh, appreciate your HR, HR folks message of the day. No, that's such a good answer. I love that you started there with hiring a CHRO because my challenge to leaders listening is I think there'll be a few people uh, listening going, <clears throat> oh yeah, okay. I probably haven't invested in, and people say our oh, people are the most important thing to us. And, and I love to, to say, okay, well, you know, a couple of things. Firstly, think of the last time you got really excited about something visibly in front of like people you work with, what was it about? Mm -hmm. And uh, mm -hmm. so often when leaders think about it, you know, particularly say in small businesses, they go, oh yeah, you know what? It was probably when we like saved a bit of money on something and it was budget related. <laughs> and and to think about how much yeah. money are you investing in HR, like really investing? Because that, yeah. like, like, I agree with what you're saying. It's not just about HR um, for like ticking a box. It's about finding really, really smart people who know who know how to motivate people and know how to, how to do that, like how to help you build a community that's not like a dysfunctional family. I love that. I love that comparison. It's like, <laughs> hey, we don't want to be like the dysfunctional family. We want to be like a really healthy community. And so um, I just thought that was so, so profound. Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, I, you know, I really just think it's, you know, something people often miss out. And you, you made such a good point too about the last time you celebrated something. That's such a good point that I've noticed with leaders, especially this week. You, you have to celebrate the wins, and you have to try and 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 cushion the fails. You, you are the leader. That means your life needs is going to suck more than everyone else's. If you're the leader and you're like, um, and I'm not going to stay up later than everyone else. That's my subordinate's job, and they need to handle the problems, and I need to go do the speaking. That's not. That's not how good leaders operate like as actually I don't I honestly mm. I'm not a natural leader and I'm not I don't necessarily enjoy being a leader part of the reason why is because I, I love working in the team I, I really like my head pats I know me I love little like like working for someone who's going to be like good job Ishri you did a good job today um and and you know you don't get that as a leader and and that's your job though your job is to like stay longer hours than everyone else I learned that from the Department of Defense actually weirdly enough at the U.S. Um, <laughs> yeah. I worked I worked at the Department of Defense interns left at five the lawyers left at six, the bosses would leave at seven or eight, and man, the Depart the Secretary of Defense, the General Counsel would be working all weekend, right? Like yeah. that, it's vice versa. And, and um, you know, and, and yeah, being authentic, right? Because you can tell people, go take vacation. 
But if you don't take vacation and you don't celebrate the vacations you take and you're not like, hey, I'm off, I'm reading a book all weekend, don't bother me. If you don't model that behavior, people are going to know, hey, you're going to judge me if I actually take a vacation. If I actually 100%. do this, you're going to judge me. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to you have to just model that behavior and you have to you have to take the sacrifices for for the team. You have to give people credit for the wins and you have to take blame for the failures. That's just a job. And if, if that's not a job that you want, there's no shame in that. Not everyone should be a leader. Not everyone should feel like they have to be a leader. You know, there's there's so many other great, great positions out there. And it's OK if you don't want to be a leader. There shouldn't be an inherent like leader. Ooh, that's the best job. It's It's not like that. It takes everyone to. <laughs> build a team yeah that's right you don't realize until you've stepped into some sort of leadership role and experienced the weight and the burden and people not liking you for a lot of people that's the clincher yeah. it's like oh wait a second i thought being a leader was going to make me really popular uh tends yeah. to be the other way around a lot of the time yeah. anyway um because you have to make hard decisions and so mm -hmm. no that's that's great advice uh well we could, uh, we could go on. Maybe what we can do is I'd love to invite you back down the track for a part two and we can hear a bit of an update on dweebs and, and maybe chat about some of the other things you're passionate about because I feel like we've just scratched the surface today. But um, so the invitation's there for a part two at some point. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that'd be a lot of fun because I've just enjoyed chatting with you so much. Let's finish today with Leadership Express. I've just got a, a few questions for you. Are you ready? Sure. Yeah. Okay. The first one is what's a book that you've gifted to other people or recommended to other people a lot? Yeah, I thought about this and I was going to do something like I was going to try and think of something super like um, profound, but actually I really loved uh, Winter's Orbit, which is by Everina Maxwell and it is a fantasy book and it is very, very AO3 for those of you who don't know it's fan fiction site online and it is just a whole lot of fun it's everything i wanted in a book it's like a star-crossed romance arranged marriage gay romance very diverse you know great world building and i i, I decided i'd share that for, for two reasons one is because yeah. you know have a life be creative do stuff out there and the second yeah. is it, it actually has a really really good portrayal of of people and what motivates them and how people take time to recover from abuse and how even if you're doing your best to communicate if you have a difficult background you need patience and love to be able to work on things so yeah, good book. What was I the name of it. what was the name of the book again? It's called Winter's Orbit. Winter's and Orbit. It's by Everina Maxwell, and it is fiction and a wonderful read. <laughs> yeah, that's such a great recommendation. I probably five years ago I started uh, reading fantasy series of books at, uh, as through audio through Audible, like as audio books before I go to sleep, because I just found that. I tried so many things, but that helped me really switch off from my work because I think of new ideas like 50 ideas an hour, uh, which is great. But when you're trying to sleep, it's not great. So <laughs> I, yeah, for the past five years, I've really gone from never having read any fantasy to, to reading um, Wheel of Time and and uh, uh, awesome. the Rift War Saga and, and these long, I particularly these long series with like 20 books in them. And it's been such a joy um, and such a great thing to have in the middle of my my week, you know, every night to just be able to know that, after everything's done and when I lay down, I get to just step into this other world and really enjoy great writing. So yes, I, I'm, a big, awesome. I'm a big fan of fiction. So thank you for sharing that. Uh, okay, next question. What about, um, what's a great piece of advice you've received at some point about life, about leadership? Someone gave you some advice and it really stuck with you. Yeah, so um, one I really, really like is reach for the sun. If you miss, you'll end up among the stars. Mm. So I love that because I think we're taught to give up on our dreams. And I don't mean that in a sort of like hustle away, make a million dollars type thing. Clearly, that's not my, my vibe. But I just mean that we've been taught that in some ways the world is too broken for us ever to achieve perfect happiness or for us to ever make an impact because the world is so broken. And it's okay, more than okay, to fall short of leaving the world a perfect place as long as we leave the world a better place. And we are so, so important. Human beings are capable of so much, you know, life, love, happiness, just being able to feel, to breathe, it's how precious life is. And I hate that some people out there look at all that precious life and think, yeah, you know, what? I'm going to kill someone today or I'm going to make someone stay stuck today. And, and I just don't get that. So yeah, we're not going to be able to make the world perfect in our lifetime, but that's not an excuse not to try. And it doesn't make it any 
less beautiful if we end up among the stars. So I really liked that. And I, it's something that's really stuck with me. And so I continue to aim for the sun, even if it's crazy. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Great. Uh, uh, that's a, that's wonderful advice. Um, what about work-life integration? Uh, this is, I really love that phrase work-life integration rather than work-life mm -hmm. um, balance. Do yeah. you have any tips for people about, I know we've already talked a little bit about this, but any tips for living uh, I guess experiencing that happiness and and finding that whether it's work life balance or work life integration. Yeah, absolutely. So I actually I just was thinking about this. I wrote an article about just inventing rules, and and that's sort of what I do. I I create rules for myself where I preserve some semblance of of free time for myself. And 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 one of the things that I do is I don't I don't take meetings on Wednesdays with. The exception of a few, you know, it's necessary comes up, blah, blah. I don't take meetings on Wednesdays and I set myself certain goals or certain times where I'm just going to read or I'm just going to do art or something. But I, I mentioned the no meeting Wednesdays because, you know, Wednesday's obviously a work day for me. It's a day that I do a lot of work, but it's a very simple thing to start with. It's something that I learned at, as a government attorney. And it's just, it just empowers you to take a day to really think about what it is that you want to do. Maybe build your brand, work on your business, finish a project at work. It's work time, you know, so, so you, you don't need to feel pressure to like, okay, I should clean my house or I need to, or I can go have fun or, or something like that. It's just a way to, to pause and to reset sort of your, your work schedule and, and also to take a bit of time for your life. So sometimes I'll, you know, go to the beach and work on Wednesday, or I will go on a hike or something. So it's, it's just, that is really, really nice for me. And I also mentioned Wednesday because when it's the weekend, first of all, just a practical matter, taking a day off during the week is, is always nicer because you're working around other people's schedules. Um, but, and for me at a volunteer org, I have a lot of meetings on Saturdays and Sundays, but the other thing is just, you know, weekends have a different sense of free time. They are very busy free time. They're very much lean into play the way we lean into work. If you are lucky enough to have your weekends off, or maybe it's where you catch up on work or laundry or other things, but Wednesdays are just, it's a work day, but it's, it clears your mind because it's like a blank paper when you start writing. So out mm. of all my rules, I, I really like no meeting Wednesdays. Yeah, that's uh, that's great to hear. I've heard quite a few different people recently talk about no meeting days. And it's even though it's not a new idea, there's so many ideas, right? And so I love it when people say, actually, I've tried a lot, a lot of things and this has been particularly helpful. So thank you so much for sharing that. Um, on yeah. another oh, light... Oh, get sleep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's the other one. Get sleep. Get your sleep. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah. Um, I think in future, that's one of the things I... I really believe in the next 20, 50, 100 years, they're going to look back and go, wait a second, how much sleep were they sacrificing? Because I, I just know <laughs> like anything I see now about sleep is like, wow, okay, it really makes way more of a difference than we've ever realized. And I, I just think it's yeah. going to be interesting for, for future generations to look at us and go, so people were sleeping four hours a night. That's um like like how we might look I think at- that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, at previous generations who- um you know, used to have a necklace with opium on it in, uh, you know, like, we're like, what, yeah. that, that was normal? Um, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, funny idea. Um, on, a, on a lighter note, or you can pick something serious, what is a movie or TV show that really impacted you? Yeah, you know, and I have probably such a cliched answer, or maybe it's cliched, but other people won't admit it. So I don't know if it's cliched, but um, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, has like really impacted me and it's impacted my sort of desires in life on a, on like a personal level. And although it hasn't impacted my career choices, it just really, I realized that was what I missed and what mm. I was missing in my life. And that's what I wanted. I really wanted a team, you know, that shawarma scene, the famous shawarma scene where they're all like after the battle of New York, they just go mm -hmm. and they get shawarma as a group, the OG Avengers or whatever. And I was like, yeah. I really want that. I want to like fight the good fight. I want to be saving the world, but I can't do it alone. I don't like being alone. I don't even want to be the person in charge. I don't want to be Nick Fury here, whoever we call in charge Iron Man. I don't know. I don't, everybody fights about who technically the leader is, Captain America, whoever you think the leader is. I don't even need that. 
I just want to be part of the team and I want to make a difference and I want to do it with people I love and care about and respect and like found family. Mm. And so it really impacted my life. It's impacted the way that I run Dweebs Global. It's always about like team building, like, hey, I want this to be your org too. I want it to be your fight too. This isn't about me. I don't want to be the figurehead. I don't want to be the one getting all the credit publicly. I want everyone to feel like this is their thing and we're fighting for a really, really good cause. And even if it's like, really hard we're going to do it anyway because it's the right thing to do even if we fail we're going to fight it anyway we have a whole yeah. bunch of people on our side and you know we have friendship and and love for what we're doing and so yeah marvel cinematic universe that's so good i love that so much um it's not cliched i think it's um i think yeah it's it's just whatever whatever people f has found uh, whatever people find has had a big influence on them is is valid and that has come up a number of times not just on the podcast but in personal conversations so i think that's really cool mm -hmm. last question uh if you could only give one piece of leadership advice to a young leader what would you say yeah um do good is even though it's so so like um i don't know cliched or or, or just simple or or just obvious i i think a lot of leaders lose sight of that why they started it what they're doing why they're doing it even if you're in a business even if your bottom goal is to make money how are you making the world a better place how is your product changing lives how are you keeping costs mm. low how are you spreading it how are you making things better for people how are you making sure that whatever you're doing in the world when you leave it you will have caused more happiness than pain um do good you know if, if you're in a leader that if you're a leader that means there are people who you're responsible for that means their ideas you're responsible for that means you're somebody that's out there changing the world that's the definition of a leader you're changing the world in some way it could be really small could just be your community could be i just want to sell this product but your goal is to change the world to get people to react to that product to get people to mm. buy your product to get your employees to do something that's power that that's the definition of power and power corrupts so never lose sight of the fact that you should be out there doing good with the power you have. Yeah, that's that's so good. And um, you know, I don't usually add something to what people say, but I just I just <laughs> love what you just shared, and and it made me think that you know what, for particularly for those leaders who are wanting to make a difference, I just um, I've really seen recently some examples of really poor governance and um, mm -hmm. how much. And I just would love to encourage any uh any leaders who are listening who really do want to make a difference in the world to pursue great governance i think that's one of the things i respect most yeah. is leaders who are end up in a role of a lot of power but create great governance around them like some of the founders of democracy like to have that power mm -hmm. and and to create a system that gives power to the people even though i'm sure it wasn't perfect that takes incredible selflessness guts and vision mm -hmm. and that's leadership so um, I love what you shared there. I just wanted to add that. Uh, for those who have yeah. really enjoyed hearing some of your story, hearing about Dweebs Global, where can they find you online? And also where can they find out more about Dweebs Global? Great question. So I'm a probably most often write about random things in life on my Medium account, which is ishri.medium.com, I-S-V-A-R-I.medium.com. And um, on LinkedIn as well, I post a few things. I totally go go follow Dweebs instead of me, though. It's at www.dweebsglobal.org. And stay tuned for the Sentinel, which is going to be dgsentinel.org. There's sort of a placeholder there. But we're launching in the summer. And I bet everyone who writes there is going to have way better content than me. It's going to be incredible. So. <laughs> Go, go follow dweebs, do those things. Um, if you really want to check me out, I'm, I'm actually really easy to Google with my first name. So you'll find me. Um, but, um, yeah, it's been a real, real pleasure. Thank you so much for, for everything. No, uh, my, my, uh, it's been, it's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Um, I want to thank our listeners as well. I think some of you will have, uh, will be really familiar, um, already with Dweebs Global, but for some of you, this is a, this would be new information. And, and I really believe it's a fantastic, uh, cause, um, don't forget for our listeners. I also have the John O'White leadership podcast and the leadership question of the day podcast Two leadership places you can go, but I uh, just want to finish by saying a massive thank you to you. Uh, Ishwari for being so generous with your time and uh, I've just had such a it's just been such a joy chatting with you and hearing your story and um, yeah thank you so much for coming on the podcast likewise Jono thank you so much for having me genuinely wonderful questions one of my best experiences so thank you
Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast as much as I did. If you're joining us for the first time, don't forget to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there, including our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from all over the world in all different roles, in different industries, answer these seven questions on leadership and leaders give these in-depth answers around how they spend their time, uh, a book that's been significant for them. It's just a gold mine. It's completely free to access. So go to consultclarity.org and look for that. We'd also love to interview you about your leadership. I believe your experience, your life, your context means that you have advice on leadership that other leaders can learn from. Yes, you, if you're going, not me. Well, no, I really believe you would have something to add. So if you're looking for a way to give back, it's completely free to get involved. And we would love to interview you through the seven questions on leadership. You just go to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest or Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form and get involved. We have a free resource on our website called the Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook, 10 world-class leaders giving their thoughts on leadership, and that's completely free. It's available on our homepage, consultclarity.org, right at the top. So make sure you go and get that and download it today. And we have a free daily email that you can subscribe to. We send this out to over 15,000 leaders from around the world. And uh, it contains the highlights of content from our podcasts, our blogs, um, our books, books we're reading. It's got the best content and it gives you exclusive, limited, early access to our masterclasses, workshops, new products, special offers. It's all for our subscribers. You can go to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe and join 15,000 other leaders And you know, my gift to you is to work really hard, particularly through the Leadership Conversations podcast. I have been blown away by the quality of the leaders and I'm learning as much as anyone in doing these interviews. So I'm having a great time. And my gift to you is to keep lining up the best leaders I can to invest in your leadership. Your gift to me, if you're finding this helpful, there is something that you could do that would help us out massively. And that is to write a review and to leave a rating for our podcast or wherever you're watching or listening to this, I can't tell you how much that helps us out. Also subscribe or follow. It really does make a difference in helping us to help more leaders become everything they're meant to be. Another thing that means a lot to me personally is when I see our community share our content. So if you do share this or any other piece of content on social media, then thank you and and please do that. And look for me, John White or clarity and tag us in your post. Our team is always looking for posts to engage with from our community. And there's also a chance that we'll share your content uh, to go beyond and share it with our followers. Last of all, you can check out my book. It's called Step Up or Step Out, How to Deal with Difficult People Even If You Hate Conflict. I wrote this book because 50% of the coaching sessions I have with leaders, this topic comes up again and again and again. And it's this idea of how do I have this difficult conversation? How do I lead this person better when I'm finding them difficult? Or in some cases you look and you say, I think I might be leading a difficult person. They're just quite difficult to lead or I'm finding them quite difficult to lead. So there's a three-step process that I unpack in step up or step out. And the amazing thing, and I've literally done this myself, and I've heard it anecdotally from other leaders as I've coached them, is that if you follow this process, you will see that person step up and change their behavior or make a decision, which is to step out some of the time. Uh, 95% of the time, people will step up or step out in just four weeks. And I stand by that. It's uh, You have to read the book to understand, but uh, I really do believe in it, and I've experienced it firsthand. It works. So you can go to Amazon, look up Step Up or Step Out John O. White or store.consultclarity.org forward slash book. Well, thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back with a new episode next time of the Leadership Conversations podcast. And I hope today has helped you to take another step towards becoming the leader you're meant to be. See you next time.